Well, I say this often, but uh, there's probably as good of music done in Cobb County in churches, but I don't know that there's any better than what we've experienced this Christmas season. Amen. And, and, and to come to think it, Lanny had the flu this week. And uh, if he got well, I don't know how he could sound. I just don't know, man. Amen. Amen. If you brought your Bible, I hope you did. We are still in our Real Christmas at Roswell Street series. And today's title of the message, What Did You See in the Manger? What did you see in the manger? Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 6, one verse today. We're going, to look at, we're going to look at four names in this verse, but we're actually going to really unpack only two of those names today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. If I had a message truth today, this would be it. It would be partly a verse of Scripture and some extra words as well. And she will give birth to a firstborn child, her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. That, to me, is a summation of a real Christmas celebration. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're about to do in our midst today. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful musical celebration that we've had. Father, we pray that it was ministry to your heart today. We sang celebrating your birth this last several weeks. And Father, I I just pray. I pray, Father, that that we handle the word accurately today and we sing the word properly and accurately today. And I pray it will uh, illuminate our hearts today, Father. I pray that it will pierce us where we need it need to be pierced. But Father, let it sink into us and encourage us for those that need that encouraging word. And Father, let it convict us when we need to be convicting. Father, we thank you for... Roswell Street. We thank you for this wonderful fellowship. We thank you for this wonderful moment that we've had. And Father, we pray that should you tarry, that we'd be found faithful and focused to the end. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. My mom was an artist. I had no artistic ability in my life. I don't know why I didn't get any of it, but she was an artist. Back in the early days, before my mom and dad were married, my mom was what is called a sketch artist. Those of you that are art, like Carrie and others, she was a pencil artist for the Birmingham News and the Post-Herald. She was contracted by several of the major department stores in Birmingham uh, where I grew up. And she would draw and sketch before they had uh, a computerized and, and, and beautiful uh, portraits in the newspaper. She would sketch the latest 
and nicest dresses for the department stores like Pazitz and Loveman's and Parisians, those main three department stores in Alabama. She was a sketch artist and she would draw those and submit them and they would put them into the newspaper. She was a sketch artist. She was an artist. Uh, she, until she died, she still loved painting. I have a painting that she did not complete before she passed away. It's uncompleted, and it's a beautiful still portrait of a vase and some uh, other things around on the table. It's a beautiful portrait, but it's not complete. I still have that possession, uh, that wonderful portrait, uh, that wonderful painting of hers. She was an amazing artistic person. In fact, uh, later in her life, she, she became uh, more of a sculptor than she was a painter. Now, my mom, you have to understand, you don't know her, but you will. If you're a believer, you'll know her one day in heaven. But she was crippled with rheumatoid arthritis. In fact, of the matter is, she had more joints fused and, and put together and in place where they couldn't move. And she kind of just hobbled around. And the older she got, remember, Deb, she just got smaller and smaller and smaller, it seems like. But my mom was a gifted artist. And then later in life, she became, uh, like I said, a, a sculptor, and she loved doing sculpting. In fact, of the matter is, she uh, went into the pastor's office one day at First Baptist Trustful, where I grew up, and she walked into Dr. Francis's office. She said, uh, Dr. Francis, I want you to know that I have found an unused Sunday school classroom, and I'm going to take it over. She said, oh, great. Miss Catherine, are you going to start a new Sunday school class? She said, no. No, no, no! I'm going to start. I'm going to start a uh, a, a, a a class to to teach sculpting in it. I'm going to call it our crafting ministry here at the church and I'm going to take over this classroom. And he says, well, okay, that's great. And she said, I've already told my husband, Pat, my dad, that he is going to build it out and he's going to buy the kill and he's going to buy the tables and all the, the, the tools that we need and he's going to donate those to my sculpting artistic class that we're going to have at the church. And she just told him that was going to happen. She was one of those kind of ladies you just said yes ma'am to most of the time. Uh, she was just kind of one of those kind of people. It wasn't being used, so she just cleared it out. And she put a wonderful craft class together. And she began teaching how to do sculpting and painting to those who wanted. And she used it as a ministry. And she began making these little porcelain sculptures and things and, and one of the days that she was there she had been working on it for several weeks and in fact I've already given it to my son for my granddaughters to enjoy a, a manger scene that she crafted and had now understand something my mom she was not without sin in her life she was a cantankerous old girl most of the time but she was a wonderful person and she had frozen hands one hand was almost frozen so she actually it was her right hand and so she learned how to, uh, Carrie helped me with this, she kind of got the, the porcelain and she carved it with one hand like that. And she made these wonderful figurines for a manger scene. It was beautiful. And so we would enjoy those things. And she made this manger scene. And every time I looked at that manger scene, I got encouraged 
by her, what she had done, the encouragement. And I got real strength knowing that the painstaking time that she put into all of us, all of those things. You see, you could have been in a hundred different places today, but you chose to be with us today. So I'm here today to encourage us during this Christmas season. You could be here today, being here today, I'm here to encourage you. And I pray that you walk away from this place more encouraged, more understanding of what Jesus is all about. And what this Christmas season is all about than ever before. I hope that you walk away from here with real hope in your heart. Real hope and real encouragement in your life. When Jesus was born, he was given a name like no other name. The angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, which means salvation. It means God wants to rescue us from the worst of life to give us the best of life. Salvation. Jesus Christ was the savior of the universe. The interesting thing about his name is that he got his name about 700 years before he was actually born on this planet. And he'll give you some background, the end, some background for us to consider today. The Hebrew text tells us that he would not be only God come to earth, but God who was born on earth, both human and divine. The child, the child born points to humanity of his life. The son given is the deity of his life. The first title fits his first advent, and the second title fits the second advent. The Muslims deny God could ever have been born in the flesh. But God would defeat Israel's army by using a larger, more powerful armies and influence as becoming the God child. Dr. Warren Wiersbe writes these words, what, what the world needs, as a prophet saw clearly, is not primarily a better philosophy of government, heaven forbid, a more perfect system of legislation, heaven forbid, but a person who has the character, wisdom, and the power needed to rule of God among men. This is the eternal theme, the prophecy from the first to the last. The child will be born to Israel's people would have traits that would demonstrate that God was with them. Thus, he would be in ultimately the fulfillment of the day. In this one verse that we're discussing today, you see there's four underscored titles of his name, his deity and his humanity. First of all, it's wonderful counselor. Is literally wonder of counselor. Though it, there's no, there's nothing in the Hebrew construction to, that would tell us or prevent these two to be separate names. The ruler to rule counsel would transcend merely human wisdom. He would have no need for human counselors to guide him. He did not need that. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. Jesus advised, for example, that strength lies in weakness and victories in surrender and life in death. 
So wonderful counselor leads us to mighty God. He would be mighty God. He would possess all the power of God. Not only would he uh, be the father of the nations in the sense as Israel's king, but he would be eternal father. Not just mighty father, not just wonderful counselor, but he would be eternal father whose parental reign would last forever. Why? Because he is God. He's God. Can you imagine on that first Advent year, that first year, that first season, to experience that God became the flesh because he's God. This is not a reference that God the Father, however, to be God the Son who would provide earthly and fatherly kind to reign throughout eternity. Wearsby also writes, in the Bible, eternity is not absolute opposed to time, but it's simply, or at least in its forward aspect, an unending duration of succession of ages. So he says, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, and the or the climax to these titles would be Prince of Peace. The monarch, the monarch whose coming results in peace would be between God and the people, between people and individuals that they encounter. So this morning, I want us to look quickly at four things, four quick things, pulling two of those names out. And here's the first phrase of the first name we're talking about, mighty. When you look into that manger scene and you see that manger there, what do you see? Do you see the power that's in that manger? Mighty means strength under battle. It means prevailing over the toughest of circumstances. The kind of power that God wants to give into our lives. The kind of God that he wants to infuse the same power into us. The greatest power that's ever come into this world was in that manger. A strength was born into the world at that first Christmas. A new strength for life. A new strength to win over the toughest battles that you and I face. It's the same power. It's the dudamas, the power of the Holy Spirit that is indwelled in our lives. So here's the question for you. What is the toughest battle you're facing right now? What is the toughest battle? Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says, the New Century Version, I love this translation. The angel said "Mary to, to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will cover you. Oh my dear friends, that ought to make a Presbyterian shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, that's incredible words. That the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 in the New Century Version again. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we ever ask or imagine. Figure this out. I'm just basking this for a second. He can do much more than you and I can ever imagine. And he wants to do much more than you and I can ever imagine. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11 says, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when trouble comes, but you will be patient. You see, the same power of the Holy Spirit that came into you at salvation is the same power that helps you 
through the difficulties that you face in each and every day. It's the power to overcome. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? That's the same power that we're talking about here. So I left you a, a sentence on your outline today to fill in your own answer for that. This Christmas, I need the strength. I need strength too. And you fill it in. This Christmas, I need strength too, whatever that might be. See the power in that manger. Secondly, mighty God. You see, not only do we see the power, but we see God. We see the glory that is in the manger. Mom had little baby Jesus in the manger. She had him in that little crib, that little manger scene. And it kept breaking, so she glued it in there. She kept, and it kept breaking because there was a certain young little lad in her family that kept messing with it. I know my brother, I shouldn't talk about him that way. But we would take Jesus out and we'd just kind of take him around and play around and that kind of stuff. And so she finally said, that's not how this is supposed to be, boys. And she glued it in there. Well, being the, the smart little lad that my brother was, he figured out a way to pop that glue off. Well, then they came out with something else that was even stronger. It's called super glue. And she super glued Jesus into the manger. Now, that's not right, right? He's not there. Well, we know that, that he's not there in the manger. So what does this have to do with the glory of God? Well, it has absolutely nothing to do with the glory of God. I just want to share that little tidbit of history in my life. The glory of God came into the world at Christmas. God says, I am going to bust out of every box. I'm going to break every piece of super glue that you try to put me in or stick to me. Listen to what Exodus chapter 15 verse 11 says. Who is like you, magic, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working in wonders. If you want to see something big, go back into the Old Testament and look at some of the wonders that God did in the Old Testament. Like the parting of the Red Sea. That is an amazing situation that took place. Go back. I challenge you to go read that and understand that how majestic and how big God is. Secondly, I want you to see the heavens declare the glory of God in the skies, proclaim the work of his hand, Psalms 19, verse 11. That's how big the stars are. The stars are majestic. I don't know about you, but every so often I just take a moment and I step outside of my home and I just kind of look up into the heavens and you see those stars. I'm telling you, they are hung by the hand of God, each and every one of them. The Son of God shines out with God's glory and all God's Son is and does marks him as God. But I wanted you to do another illustration for you this morning. I want you to take a moment and look at your thumbprint. Your own thumbprint. There's not another one like it. Seven point something billion people on the planet and every one of us have a different thumbprint. That's how big God is. He created us to all be individuals with different, different opinions, different styles, different loves. How in the world 
Could a God that big, how can a God that big become a baby? It's kind of like, here's what came in my heart this morning. It's kind of like an ocean. It's like trying to fit the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, into a thimble. That's how big God is. Humility. Humility presents us as who God is. Philippians chapter 2 gives us the beautiful, it's that it found, it being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wearsby writes these words, he who is the creator became the creature. He who is eternal allowed himself to be bound by time. He whom the heavens can't contain was enclosed in a woman's womb. He who is clothed in majesty was born in a cattle trough. He who is the sovereign God became dependent on human man and woman for his food and clothing. He who had spoken whole worlds in galaxies into existence had to depend upon baby cries to communicate. The God of the universe became a baby. When I think about that, it just blows my mind. When I think about him that created everything that ever exists, took on the form of man for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to die for the sins of the world. That's the glory that I see in that manger. So my question is today, this Christmas, I need a bigger perspective on Fill in the blank. I need a bigger perspective on the world that is lost, not just around the globe. We talk about that in Baptist circles a lot. Boy, we want to reach the world. Yes, we do. We have the International Mission Board, and we send missionaries all over the world. Then we want to reach North America. That would be the United States and Canada. We want to reach North America with our North American Mission Board uh, representatives, our missionaries. We want to do that, and we, we give. We write checks, and we drop money into the offering plate for just that. But friends, I want you to know... God wants us to pray for the salvation of the world. He wants us to be involved in making disciples of all the nations of the world. I need a bigger perspective on the lostness of Marietta, Georgia. Folks, I want to tell you right now, there's a vast majority of people that are not attending a worship gathering today. Why? Because they've not been invited or they've turned their back on God and their soul is just as important than the ones that are sitting in this room today. Folks, we need a bigger perspective, perspective on the lostness of this world. We see the power in that manger. We see the glory of God in that manger. And the second title of his name is Eternal Father. First of all, eternal. We see the hope that's in that manger. When it comes to hope, we all have our own ideas of what hope makes up don't we? Some of us, we're hoping that we can, maybe, some of you in this room, win the lottery. I just want to win the lottery. I'll give so much money back. I just want to win the lottery. Some of us, it's all about money. Your 501, 501, whatever your, what is it called? I can't even remember. 501K, my bad. I got one. I can't even think what it's called. 
Some of it's your retirement. What, what is your retirement? Man, am I, can I manage all of that? It's money. You have hope for more, for more money. The stock market, well, that's going to disappoint you. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's politics. That will certainly disappoint you. I don't care what persuasion you are. Hope came into the world at Christmas, not wishing hope happens, but hope actually happens. By the way, I've said it time and time again, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ Jesus. The yes is in Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 4. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character. And character produces hope. You see, the Bible doesn't make mistakes. The scriptures are given to us patience and encouragement so that we may, we can have hope. God can take the worst of our life that's thrown at us. And he can work it out for our good. Every time. Hope became, can become the fact that we live and trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus never lies. The Bible is completely true. It is without error. It's infallible. It is truth that we can lock into. Trusting the amazing, eternal, saving power of Christ and let it all begin from that earthly perspective with that little manger scenario. We put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah of the world the life giver, the encouraging savior of the universe. We can place our faith and our trust in him and him alone. Remember the old hymn of the faith? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest name, but hold Christ, the solid rock I stand. So today, this Christmas, I need to trust that, whatever it might be, eternal Father. So first of all, we see the power in the manger. We see the glory in that manger. We see the hope in that manger. And finally, we see the love that's in that manger. He loves me. He loves you. He loves us all. Even when we're not lovable, he loves us. God demonstrates his own love towards us while we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. He loves us. We throw that word around. Hey, man, I love you. Love you, man. We text it. We send it. Hang up on the phone. Hey, don't forget, I love you, man. We say it all the time, and sometimes we use, overuse it in such a way. Do, do, do we really love that person? Do we really we throw it around often. Every good love is based on God's great love. His love is higher than that. It's higher than just a phrase. It is a sacrificial, self-giving love. God loves you. Probably the most quoted verse of Scripture in, in all of history is John 3.16. And I want you to listen to it slowly in the New Century Version, because I think the language is so beautiful. God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son. His one and only son. That whosoever, whoever believes in him, may not be lost, but have eternal life. 
I said it a moment ago. God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were sinners, yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8 verse 39, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, gather in here close. If you are saved by God's glorious grace, and you know that, if you know that beyond a shadow of doubt, nothing can ever separate you from his love. Nothing. Regardless of what's gone on in your life, regardless of the disappointments you've had in your career, regardless of your children disappointing you or you disappointed your, fa- your mom and dad, whatever it might be, whatever is going on in your life, God still loves you. Even when we are less lovable, even when we don't love him as much as we even declare we do. And don't look at me spiritual, we're all in the same boat. I'm looking in a mirror today. Sometimes I'm not very lovable. I know that shocks some of y'all. Pastor Dan is not lovable? Yes. Sometimes I'm just really not. Especially on the golf course. I'm just not lovable. You aren't either. But God still loves me warts and all. I was speaking at a college retreat one time down in South Florida. And they... Went to dinner after with a retreat, and we went to this thing, and it was right on the intercoastal waterway. And they were, it was at Christmas time, and so they were having these parades, boat parades, which was pretty cool. I'd never seen a boat parade. Didn't have any boat parades in Birmingham. Just didn't. Didn't have any water in Birmingham except a little small Cahaba River. I've never seen a boat parade go down to Chattahoochee. Maybe they do it. I don't know. If they do, I want to see it next year. But, you know, I was there, and we're sitting on this deck, and was watching this boat parade, and all these people were drinking and partying, and they had all these, and there was all kinds of stuff in this one boat. It was the last boat that came through, and it had one of these little dinghies. I didn't know what that was because I've never been a boat guy, but uh, it, much of one, but they had this little dinghy, and they were dragging this little dinghy behind this one big old yacht, and it had a little figurine, and I looked and squinted, and it looked like what we would, a porcelain picture of what Jesus might look like and here they are partying and they're just dragging Jesus along it's kind of like that break the glass in case of an emergency in the public buildings you break that you pull the handle the fire department comes well that's what like I started thinking well man they just got Jesus dragging him along in that little dinghy and then we got this Break the glass in case of an emergency. I find it quite interesting that many a time during this season and the Easter season, a lot of people kind of come get their Jesus on. They want to break the glass because I need him. I'm going to break the glass when I need you, but until then, Jesus, just leave me be. Mighty God is the power in that manger. The glory in that manger, eternal father, the hope and the love in that manger. So maybe today, filling out your own blank, the last sentence should read, this Christmas, I need love for whatever that might be. Oh, my dear friends, when we look at this amazing verse of Scripture, this amazing verse of Scripture, for a child will be born today to to us A son will be given to us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor.
mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. When I look in that manger scene, even though he is super glued into that little manger, into that little trough, I see something greater than just a little figurine. Today, what do you see in the manger? What do you see? The Son of God came to seek and save that which was lost. And maybe today, you're that person that needs a fresh touch or for the first time, meet him in a special way. Would you join me as we pray? You're here today. Maybe you're viewing us by our live stream today. And maybe this one verse has just kind of really become alive for you today. Maybe today that you realize that you've just been playing around with this thing called Christianity. And yet you've just really not really sold yourself out to it. Maybe today is the moment in your life where you say, I want to surrender it all to the Lord Jesus today. Maybe today you want to just turn your life completely over to him. What better time to do it in the season that we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I challenge you today, whatever decision you need to make today, I challenge you to surrender your life to him. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word. It never returns void. Father, we ask you right now to, to remove those obstacles standing in the way from us hearing from you. I pray today, Father, that today, today during this Christmas season, that we, we just really just focus our attention on you. It's not about the gifts, the receiving and giving of the gifts and the wonderful food that we'll be embracing here pretty soon. Father, I just pray that we just get our minds set on what you did for us. The creator of the universe became the child of God. The God child to this universe, to this world, for one purpose. To let us experience your power. Let us see your glory. Let us know that our hope is built in you and let us experience your love like never before thank you father for doing your work in this place and we give you all the glory in jesus name